Hello and welcome to another edition of Inspiratia's podcast. I'm Andrew Pope, Senior Infrastructure Analyst at Inspiratia, and in this episode I'll be discussing all the key trends in the global data centre market with our guest Jonathan Evans, Director of Total Data Centre Solutions. The data centre market has really taken off in the last few years, confirming its position as a rapidly growing and attractive asset class. Primary financing and M&A activity have continued strongly in 2021 and 2022 in the context of the expansion and upgrading of digital infrastructure forming a key pillar of the recovery strategies being implemented across the world in the aftermath of the pandemic. As it has risen up the agenda, digital infrastructure and data centres in particular have become an increasingly popular asset class for private investors seeking to diversify from traditional infrastructure assets and add data centres which generate strong revenues to their portfolios. With global investment funds now seriously looking at the data centre market, in this episode we'll take stock of the current financing trends in the sector, as well as discuss some of the other major themes in the market, including the shift to new geographies and renewable power. Thanks for joining me today, Jonathan. Before we begin, perhaps you could give us some insight into your background and areas of expertise. Of course. Um, so my name is Jonathan Evans. I'm a director of Total Data Center Solutions, a company that was formed some 20 years ago, uh, in working mainly at the time in Ireland for the co-location companies there. Uh, and I focused at the time mainly on helping co-location companies become established helping them with design, helping them with planning permission, and all that, all those sorts of things. And then from there, I went on to work in the UK on another co-location company uh, in, in, in around the M25 building data centers. And then I went to work in Norway in about 2010, and that kind of changed everything for me, really, because I became more involved in sales and marketing aspects of data centers, as well as the infrastructure aspects. And of course, working in Norway, I became involved in sustainability for the first time. And at the time, sustainability was very low on everyone's agenda. But obviously, things have changed a great deal since then. So since 2010, I focused mainly on working in uh, in the Nordics. Been in Norway for a while and now in working with companies in Sweden. So that's where I am today, working for two companies in Sweden, working with NodePole, promoting Sweden as a data center destination and working with Eco Data Center, uh, a co-location data center in Sweden. We also have other activities, but those are the primary ones, PDCS at the moment. Great. Thank you, Jonathan. So I, I think your kind of expertise and knowledge touches on a few of the areas that we're going to be covering today. The data center market is rapidly growing in interest as an asset class for investors from a range of backgrounds, some of which are looking to diversify away from traditional infrastructure and see long-term value and revenue generation potential from data centers. So in this context, what do you see as the main financing trends that are emerging in the data center market in 2022? Well, given the disruptive impact of COVID-19 has had on the share prices of hospitality, bricks and mortar, retail and aviation, data centers are looking like an increasingly sure bet for investors seeking to broaden their investment portfolios. The sector is constantly evolving and it now has splits into three main trends. The hyperscalers, Google, Facebook, Microsoft and Amazon, 
are doing large self-build data centers all over the world. And they, of course, don't need any finance to build them. Then we have the co-location companies, where the majority of investment opportunities lie. Small to medium-sized data centers with, small, with some hyperscaler cloud and enterprise clients as enterprises close their in-house data centers and migrate to the cloud and colo. The emerging trend is the edge. Small data centers close to large populations that require very low latency for 5G, VR, and other applications. Amazon, for example, are building 36 edge data centers worldwide at the moment on six continents. The main trend is M&A. Activity is growing fast from 2015 to 2019. 300 deals were done, totaling $65 billion. Investors were 53% private equity and 57% public companies. Since then, some large deals have materialized. KKR and Global Infrastructure bought Cyrus One, making the company private for $15 billion. They paid Cyrus One a 25% premium on the stock price. Blackstone acquired QTS for $10 billion and paid QTS 21% of the closing stock price. DRT, with 267 data centers worldwide, bought Interaxion with 53 data centers for $8.4 billion. Under the Nordics, Azrieli Group bought Green Mountain for $850 million with an EBITDA between 25 and 30. And IPI Partners bought Digiplex for $5.25 billion. So a huge amount of M&A in the sector, as you can see. Absolutely, yes. Um, there's clearly a lot of interest in the sector. And I suppose specifically, are we seeing institutional investors showing any signs of entering the data center market? And as you can see from the M&A activity there, I think there are quite a few now entering the market. One investor's quote was, data centers remain appealing investment opportunities given their diversification benefits and strong risk return profile with structural tailwinds supporting the sector. Another reason why the, the industry is proving attractive to investors is this 15 to 20 year lease terms that co-location tenants tend to sign. This brings a degree of predictability to their investments. The tenants are often the hyperscalers and most tenants have very strong covenants. Many funds such as Digital9 are now approaching the whole internet infrastructure, investing in data centers, fiber, and telcos. But not all the news is positive though, as SunGuard in the UK recently went into receivership, citing high energy costs and changes to business models. And in Dublin, it has stopped for the development as the power grid is at full capacity. Right. So there's clearly still some some risks in the in the market as well. You've already sort of mentioned that there's quite significant M&A activity in the sector. Do you see that M&A activity will, will sort of continue to increase? Is that is this going to be a, a key area of investment activity going forward in the data center market? Well, that's a really interesting question. Based on previous trends and activities, the answer should be yes but there are now fewer and fewer opportunities as most of the larger deals seem to have been done in Europe and the US. But there may be more activity in other regions going forward as they mature, of course. Historically, the sector has seen a 15 to 20% internal rate of return. 
But these times are now gone and investors are renting the fray and happy to accept an IRR of closer to 8 to 10 percent because that is more in keeping with their invest other investment opportunities they've been involved in. So, yeah, th there is still opportunity, but the opportunities are decreasing, I would say, within the US and, uh, and the Europe markets. That's interesting. So... As a result of that, do you see that data center operators or investors in data centers are kind of seeking new markets to move into as as the more developed markets mature? Absolutely. The, the operators are now looking to southern and eastern Europe, Portugal, Spain, Madrid, Poland and Israel. Also Africa, particularly Morocco and South Africa. With the strength of the sustainability agenda, the Nordics are now proving also very attractive, Sweden, Denmark and Norway in particular. And they have new fibre connectivity going across from U the US into uh, the Nordics, which has been recently lit up, uh, and that will have a huge impact on the Nordic market, I'm sure. Obviously, the, the, the sustainability aspect is the strongest one for the Nordic region, though. So, yeah, you're right. There, there, there are expansions into other regions, for sure. And, and that often is just driven by the demand of the hyperscalers who initially might not want to build large data centers in these regions and then will rely on the, uh, the, the co-location companies to build them for them. So we've t touched on it there a little bit with regards to decarbonization and sustainability. Obviously, this is a huge trend globally and you know data centers are going to be part of that so what kind of efforts do you see dead data centers making in that kind of decarbonization area well it, it's a huge issue for the data center operators now there is a significant pressure from the eu to make data centers carbon neutral by 2030 with potential reworking of the various energy efficiency regulations suggested this will be somewhat accelerated by the pres present conflict in the Ukraine. The Climate Neutral Data Centre Pact was a response by various data centre operators to hold off regulations by having a self-regulated scheme for data centres in the EU. This prim primary objective will appear to have failed as so far there has little progress has been made and it's a huge mountain to climb to try and reach this uh, carbon neutral situation for data centre operators with established existing data center designs. National planning regulations are going to be strengthened as well to include an element of waste heat reuse and mandatory reporting of energy for data center telco operators already in place in Amsterdam, Dublin and Frankfurt, for example. Some operators, though, are leading the way in this regard. I work with climate-positive eco-data center in Sweden, as I mentioned, powered by hydroelectricity and the key factor here is they reuse the heat, a large amount of heat which comes off the servers in the local district heating system and to manufacture wood pellets. The data centre is also built of wood, surprisingly, and this has a huge impact on the carbon footprint. As a company, we are also involved with battery storage technologies to reduce power costs and carbon footprint and a radical way to reduce power demand, immersion cooling where the servers are immersed in non-conductive liquid baths rather than air cooling. So these are some of the developments that are going on to try and reduce the carbon footprint of data centers. So there's clearly a lot of different strategies that are, that are being deployed by data center operators. 
to try and work into that kind of decarbonization theme. One thing that we haven't really spoken about yet, but obviously is a, a key area for data centers, is the power supply. So do you expect to see a growing trend where data center operators are signing PPAs with uh, renewables developers to ensure that they have a reliable clean energy supply? Yeah, I mean, in some parts of the world, such as the Nordics, of course, they, they have plenty of hydropower and, and wind power. But where, where they're not lucky enough to have that, there are power purchase agreements that are being put in place. Technology companies with significant data center operations are responsible for more than 16,000 megawatts of the approximately 26,000 megawatts of totally renewable capacity under PPAs in the US. So you can see the data center operators are already taking a big part of that in the United States. Google and Facebook were the largest corporate buyers of renewable energy in the world last year. Both are taking steps to eliminate all carbon emissions from their footprints by 2030. Amazon aims to use 100% renewable energy by 2025 and reach net carbon emissions by 2040. PPAs are an important part of all of these strategies. Large data centers that are not run by companies that can afford commitments to PPAs are often advertising 100% renewable energy using RECs to meet the goal. But renewable energy certificates and are often discredited as the power may enter the grid in one country and leave in another. Not the same electrons as you can imagine. So the RECs are possibly a thing of the past in some regard. Like the hyperscalers don't, don't like them. They like hydropower and wind power and solar power, not, not renewable energy certificates, and that will have a big impact on where the data centers are located and the type of generation of energy that they can use. So we have touched on this uh, a little bit already, but in terms of new data center construction and new developments, are there any signs that data center operators are kind of signing joint agreements with renewable plant projects? So examples where they're kind of working together to ensure both clean power supply and that the demand is there as well. Are there any signs of this kind of emerging? Well, you would think there would be, but <laughs> there's not a great deal of it activity going on. There are very few signs so far. I worked with Lux Connect in Luxembourg for a while, a co-location company owned by the Luxembourg government, and they had the finance to be able to build a plant called Kiowatt, which is a tri-generation plant running on biomass. And this plant actually powers the data center next door to it and provides the cooling for that data center. So that is a one example. And the reason that there aren't many examples is that it costs a great deal of money to build this Kiowatt plant. And the return on investment is quite a long-term one, which is not very attractive to co-location data centers generally. I just read today about a data centre being built in East London, possibly that will be running on power generated from refuse. But I'm, I, that's about the only two examples I can think of today, to be honest. So, yeah, it's not a big trend. It should be, but it isn't. Yes, that's maybe an area where we could see improvement, I suppose, from, from data centres in terms of sustainability. Generally, do you think the uh, shift to using more clean energy and 
to increasing decarbonization efforts will make data centers more attractive assets for investors? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. Data centers are already a huge attractive investment. So this aspect will not have a great deal of impact, I don't think, unless it is a specialist fund focusing on that aspect of investment. So I don't think it's going to have a great deal of impact, to be honest with you. It's not an easy sector to get into. Some investors think they can buy a piece of land with power and they can build their own data center and they can become a co-location company within a matter of a year or so. But that's not the case. Getting into the co-location industry is costly and time-consuming. And as there are so many established players now, it's not that easy to enter the market. In fact, it's quite difficult because I work with uh, co-location company startups and I know all the hurdles that they have to climb or jump in order to establish themselves and become an attractive proposition for an investor to take them over or purchase them. It's probably easier to do a merger or an acquisition, which is why that's the way most of them are going at the moment. But you can see from an example like Green Mountain, which started off 12 years ago and now has three data centers. They probably haven't invested that much money in the facilities, but but they've been bought out for a very significant sum of money, uh, mainly because of the management team, the pipeline, and uh, and the location of the data centers. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, it's an interesting industry to be in for sure. Absolutely, some really interesting insights there, Jonathan. Thank you. I think for me, the major takeaways are regarding the maturation of the data center market in developed countries and the need for more of a push towards direct renewable energy supplies for data centers. Data centers still very much feel like an emerging asset class, and yet we may have already seen the peak of investment activity in Europe and North America, with the tech majors beginning to dominate the landscape here. There will still be opportunities for investors as data centers spread to new markets, although there will be different barriers to entry which could prove problematic. There's also clearly a gap in the market for renewables developers to work directly with data center operators to provide clean power supplies. Whether this opportunity is taken remains to be seen, but I think as more data centers open up in emerging markets, it could become an attractive option. I think that pretty much wraps things up for us today. All that remains is to say, again, thank you very much to Jonathan for your time and insights today. Please do keep an eye out for forthcoming episodes of our podcast, which can be found on your preferred platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. We hope you've enjoyed today's discussion. Do like and share the podcast if so, and we hope to see you again next time. Goodbye.